You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. And we may still be a long way from our desired outcome, uh, but we can make progress. Our efforts may be interrupted, they may be delayed, they may even be halted, but that doesn't mean that we've necessarily failed. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 322, and our title this week is Transforming Negative Pushback to Work in Favor of Change. Our feature text is Matthew 5, 11 through 12. In Matthew's gospel, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus spoke of of changes that, that could have turned the social system that he and his audience lived in on its head. Those who benefited from the system, they saw his inclusion, his equity, his compassion, his passion for justice, his love, they saw that as dangerous. And and if it were followed all the way out uh, from our our personal relationships to the the systems that organize society, Jesus' social vision would have unsettled everything. Jesus offered life, security, and assurance to uh, the poor, the, the mourning, the hungry, marginalized people. And, 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 and so the prioritized or the privileged and the powerful, they labeled him as an enemy. Their fear of change, it quickly turned into fear of complete ruin. And this is what I believe was underneath the author of John's gospel placing these words in the mouth of, of the social and political, the economic, religious elites of his day. In John eleven fifty, we read, do you not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish? This past Easter season, this passage was on my heart uh, a lot. The Jesus story isn't about dying, remember. Jesus's death is, yes, part of the story, But the story is much more about reversing or undoing and overcoming his death. Jesus' death was was not natural. It was an execution, uh, an execution that was plotted by the elite class who felt that they had everything to lose from people following Jesus' social vision. And the story isn't simply about this execution, though. It's also about life-giving things that overcome death-dealing things. The teachings of Jesus— such as treating others the way that you'd like to be treated or or loving one's enemies and and offering mutual aid and, and, and sharing of resources and including those who are presently othered, centering marginalized people. These are the things that death could not silence in the story. Jesus's execution didn't stop those values. Ultimately, they lived on in the stories that the early Jesus followers told in in the following decades, and his life-giving values are still competing with and overcoming death-dealing things. Even to this day, Jesus was a conduit of change, and he called his 
followers to be conduits of change as well. Today, we too can choose to be conduits of change. But remember, change never comes without pushback. That's why Jesus assured his followers, again, this is Matthew 5, 11 and 12, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We can learn from the Jesus story how to respond to negative pushback when we encounter it from those whose privilege and power is threatened by life-giving changes. First, we have to remember that we're not alone. When we step into the stream of working toward a more just society, that river stretches far back and it stretches far ahead of us. We're participating in and, and building on the work of our ancestors in social justice, and hopefully we're providing something for those who come after us to build upon as well. And this is why I believe Jesus called his Jewish audience to remember how the Jewish prophets of old who called for social justice in their own contexts were treated too. Today especially, I'm reminded of, of the prayer that was attributed to the late Oscar Romero, but uh, it was never prayed by him. It was written by Bishop Ken Untenor. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it was written by Bishop Ken for a homily given in 1979 uh, by Cardinal John Dearden. But this prayer, I just think is beautiful. It, it, it reads, It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. And this is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there's a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen. Again, I'll put a link to, to that prayer in our e-site this week if you'd like to pursue that further. I do want to offer also a word of caution about getting pushback. Sometimes pushback is a good thing. Sometimes I receive pushback because I'm just being a jerk about something. So how do I know when pushback is good or not? And, and I like to ask myself which social location the person or community pushing back is from. If it's the centered and privileged who are pushing back out of fear of losing privilege over others, 
then I'm likely to be in the right story. Jesus and his early followers faced this kind of pushback too. But if I'm receiving pushback from someone whose social location is more marginalized or disenfranchised than mine, then I have to stop and listen and, and ask myself whether my work is is, is not as life-giving as I might have assumed. When this is true, I'm not in the right story at all. Jesus was embraced by the exploited, the marginalized, and, and the pushed down. Except for one example in the stories, the pushback he experienced was from those uh, for whom his social vision was not good news, but threatened their money, their power, and their position. The one example that we have of Jesus receiving the kind of positive pushback that we're discussing Discussing here is the story of the Syrian Phoenician woman who, who, who pushed back against Jesus in Mark 7, 24 through 30, and also we find the story in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. In this story, Jesus models how we too can stop and listen and ask ourselves whether this may be a moment where we can choose to learn from those whose social location is more marginalized than our own. This is a story where Jesus learned much from a woman whose social location was different than his own. And let's talk about responding to negative feedback now. What are we to learn from the Jesus story about responding to, to death-dealing pushback in life-giving ways? When we take a stand for what we believe is compassionate and just alongside those most vulnerable in our society, we can expect pushback. When we call for change from those that are presently benefiting from the way things are right now, we can expect pushback and we can still refuse to be silenced. That's what the pushback is intended to do is silence us. We can refuse to be silent. The history of movements that have practiced nonviolent resistance to, to unjust systems has taught us that if we refuse to remain silent, we can unveil the system itself. When pushback coming from the socially privileged combines with our refusal to allow that pushback to silence us, we can amplify our struggle before more witnesses and awaken awareness and conscience. More people are going to hear about it now than they otherwise would have. And we may still be a long way from our desired outcome, but we can make progress. Our efforts may be interrupted. They may be delayed. They may even be halted. But that doesn't mean that we've necessarily failed. We may have succeeded to some degree just by shifting the terms of the, de the debate. Things that might have been unimaginable before we stirred things up are, are now topics of conversation. And this can lead to organizing, which in turn can give birth to movements for change. Change takes time and negative pushback is part of the process. It can either silence us or inspire us to amplify our voice. And think of the Jesus story for just a moment. Jesus, he, he, had Jesus chosen to become silent when threatened by the powerful social elites of his day, we probably wouldn't even know about him today. His work would not have only been interrupted, 
it would have been forgotten. Just stop and consider it. The Jesus story is about those things that have the power to overcome negative pushback, even lethal pushback. The golden rule, treating others the way you'd like to be treated, cooperation and sharing with those who don't have enough, loving one another, loving our enemies, living nonviolently, centering society on, on those presently most vulnerable. All of these things are the things of resurrection. They are the very things that the story tells us could undo or reverse or overcome the interruption of Jesus's execution. These things that are, are life-giving, uh, they are the things that can overcome death, even in the face of being threatened uh, with that kind of negative pushback. So these are the things that are worth holding on to. Stop for a moment and consider how you'd like to see our world change. What is worth speaking up for for you? If you receive negative pushback, are you going to allow it to silence you? Or will you keep speaking up and, and using the conflict to actually attract other people's attention, amplifying your voice and calling for change. Heart Group application this week, again, we have the ability to slow the spread of COVID-19 if we act together. And in moments like these, we here at Renewed Heart Ministries, we affirm that all people are made in the image of God to live as part of God's peace, love, and justice. There is nothing more powerful and resilient than when people come together to prioritize the least of these. We at Renewed Heart Ministries are asking all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please stay virtually connected, though, and and, and practice uh, physical distancing at the same time. You can still be there for each other to help ease anxiety and, and fears. And, and when you do go out, please keep a, a six-foot distance between you and others to stop the spread of the virus. This is also a time where we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid that we find in the Gospels that we talk so much about on this podcast. Make sure the others in your group have what they need and 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 remember that we're more interconnected than we realize as this is this is proven. And we need each other during this time. This is a time to to work together to prioritize protecting those who are the most vulnerable among us. And we'll get through this together. And and in the meantime, we can uh, come up with new ways to take care of others while we're physically apart. So heart group application this week. Number one, what are some memories of positive pushback that you have received in the past? How did you respond to that positive pushback? And, and what did you learn? Discuss with your, your group. Number two, what are some examples of negative pushback that you've experienced? Did you respond in a positive, uh, life-giving way? And if not, how do you wish you would have responded? Uh, what did you learn from that? And then discuss that with your group. And then number three, how does the Jesus story inform your own action-taking and speaking out against injustice and mitigating systemic harm in our society. What hope or, or encouragement do you take from the Jesus story? And discuss that with your group. Thanks for checking in with us this week, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. Stay well, and where possible, please stay home. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.